I create a private YouTube channel. Like this is something a lot of people don't know about, but you don't need to make your YouTube videos uh, public. You can actually keep it private. And the reason that this is so helpful is because it gets you in the habit of articulating your ideas and seeing what you look like. Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons a lot of people struggle with uh, social anxiety is because of uh, the illusion of transparency. Hi, my name is Shlomo Salson. I'm the host of Dreamers University. The first and third Tuesday of every month, I'm going to provide you with an episode filled with inspiring stories and practical tips to help you live your dream life. I'm going to do so all under 30 minutes. If you want to commit to achieving your dreams, go ahead, subscribe to this podcast and enjoy this episode. Hey, Dream Makers, welcome to my podcast, Dreamers University. This is your host, Shlomo Salson. Today, I have a good friend with me, someone I've known for about 12 years. His name is Armand Chowdhury. Armand Chowdhury is an engineer. He's a Toastmaster. He's a storyteller. He shares his message through the Armani Talks brand, which has over 50,000 social media followers and has helped millions of people around the world level up their mindset and soft skills. He discusses topics such as public speaking, storytelling, social dynamics, emotional intelligence, and creativity to help build self-confidence. Give it up for Armand as he talks about how to improve communication for success. How's it going, Armand? It's going well, Shlomo. Um, how are you doing? Good, man. It's uh, you know, it's been what over a year since we've met up. It's been some time. It's, it's good. It, this is going to be fun because we're going to be catching up along the way. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So it, for those who don't know, I this is my third interview with Armand. Uh, my last interview I did with him uh, was for Teenage Impact. My last podcast I did where I had eighty-five interviews. Armand. Um, I would say you were a big part of me starting my podcast because I remember when you first started Armani Talks and you were first started to blow up. Eventually, you did go full-time. How did you make that leap from working full-time and having Armani Talks to now doing Armani Talks full-time? Well, initially, it was something that caught me by surprise as well because I was starting Armani Talks as just something for fun, but... When I got got my first client, I noticed that it was just a flip in thinking. I saw that it could be a business opportunity. Mm-hmm. And by 2019, I was like, mm, I'm not getting any younger. I mean, if I'm going to do this, it's the best time to do it. And I noticed that it was merging a couple of my strong skill sets all into one package. Uh, one part being uh, the public speaking, impromptu speaking side of Toastmasters merging with the world of um, information technology and business analytics, uh, using the two in order to build a media company. I I thought that this was one of the perfect opportunities. So it wasn't more uh, intellectual thought. It was more so um, instinct, I would say. Mm -hmm. Why communication, though? Why help people communication? The reason with communication, Shlomo, was because... Within the engineering field that I was raised in, uh, a lot of the brightest engineers, they lacked the ability to communicate their message. So what would typically happen was that 
the hard skills field would do a lot of the coding and the technical work. And then they would awkwardly pass it off to another group of people who were great communicators, but they lacked the technical understanding. So there was this big barrier that was being created of the technical people knowing the technical stuff and the communicators not knowing the technical stuff. And I thought it would um, be beneficial if engineers can communicate in an effective way, whether it's with public speaking, creative writing, and being warmer when they're sharing their message. Mm -hmm. Because with engineering, uh, what typically happens with us is that we become very, very left brain dominant. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to use Armani Talks in order to merge creativity with the left brain and make it understanding uh, for even engineers to communicate. Mm -hmm. That's so very true because even I remember back in the day uh, when we were in the same fraternity at University of South Florida, you were the external vice president and you did a lot of the recruiting and inviting people to the events and you did a phenomenal job doing that. And it's Appreciate all you. through it's it's all through communication. And I remember when you first started Toastmasters, you were a phenomenal communicator, but you needed some public speaking um, work to do. You had some public speaking work to do, and just seeing your transformation over the years, from you know seeing you social in the beginning to improving your public speaking skills, now helping multi-million dollar CEOs. Um, do that is, is, is just incredible to see. Uh, going back to the, the Thank you. Uh, transformation part where you've helped CEOs, you know, you've helped CEOs that have had 500 employees with their communication skills. What would you say is their biggest challenge when it comes to communication, even with CEOs, not just engineers, but people who have is in charge with so many employees? For sure. So initially when I started Armani Talks, it was predominantly focused at engineers, mm -hmm. but over time it also evolved into helping introverted CEOs. Now, one of the biggest challenges that a lot of them have is that uh, they're subject matter experts uh, where they know the field very well. The main thing though, is that they sometimes get in their head. Mm -hmm. So let's say that this is a person that's great at making uh, cement for different manufacturing companies they know the cement market so well. Uh, but now, if they're creating LinkedIn videos on how getting upgraded cement for your manufacturing company uh, will help you and your business, now they start to think, mm, man, am I overthinking? Uh, do I look ugly when I'm speaking? Uh, a lot of the problems that we were taught to learn in Toastmasters, remember? So a lot of the CEOs, I would say, nowadays are trying to create more digital content. Mm -hmm. They want um, videos, podcasts, blogs. And one of the biggest problems is that they overthink. It's so true. I, it's a muscle. I mean, it's true. I remember when I first started doing YouTube videos, right? And just having a video camera in front of you, I, I've given many speeches before and I was very comfortable with it. But when you speak to a video camera, you have to look right in the lens and it just feels really awkward. And a lot of times, People are very stiff. People are very robotic. And eventually, you know, you learn over time to it's it, pretend like you're talking to a person. So when you're looking at a video camera, pretend like you're talking to a person and just make it very conversational. And that really helps. 
Well, it's difficult because with public speaking, you know, you could always assess uh, the emotions of, of the crowd. Mm-hmm. If your joke is popping off, then you'll be like, all right, well, I'm a pretty funny guy. Yeah. These guys are laughing. Uh, if your joke's not uh, popping off, then at least you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things with speaking in front of the camera, doing a podcast, is that a machine doesn't communicate with you. Yeah. So you're over here telling a joke and you're like, uh, is this funny or not? So it's back to what you said. It, it really comes down to putting in your reps. And over time, the awkwardness is going to melt away. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what if someone doesn't want to be a speaker? What if someone doesn't want to be a CEO? What if someone doesn't want to have a brand? Why is communication important for them, for their success? Well, even if they don't want to build a brand, mm-hmm. what is going to happen is that they still have a job, mm-hmm. right? So let's say they're not in the business, the entrepreneurship field. Mm-hmm. They're still working in corporate life. And to rise up any company, if that's what they want to do, uh, they're going to eventually have to learn how to communicate their message. Mm-hmm. Because what's the biggest difference between someone who works and someone who consistently gets promotions? Mm-hmm. The worker is simply learning the skill set and that's it. But the person who's rising up eventually has to get the skill set and deliver it to other people. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what all promotions entail. So you don't have to learn communication, uh, but in context to your life, if you're trying to improve and you're trying to get promotions, you're trying to make your ideas more well-known, then at some point you're going to have to take communication a tad bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Especially if you do have a dream that's big. And if you do want to start some type of side hustle, I I do believe communication plays a huge part in trying to persuade someone or convince someone to buy into your idea or buy into your message. So totally agree. What if like, Mm -hmm. you know, someone is starting from scratch there, we're not confident like we were back in the day. And they're just very anxious. They have social anxiety, which I know um, you've helped other people with social anxiety. What are three steps someone can do to improve social anxiety, become more confident, and improve their communication skills? Well, the way that I would recommend, I mean, I may be a little biased, but in Toastmasters, uh, I'm still a big Toastmasters guy. Uh, And with Toastmasters, view it more so as a social skills club that teaches public speaking. Mm -hmm. So this gets you out of your house. It gets you going to the clubs and networking. I recall in some of our clubs, we used to have after hours. Mm -hmm. So you can network with them after the meetings. Um, If there is no Toastmasters, uh, find a way to at least build relationships with the people that you already know. Mm -hmm. The reason that a lot of people are like, man, I'm so lonely is because they undermine the people that they have and they dwell on the people that they don't have. Mm So um, it depends on the person and what their circumstances are. Uh, you could either do something like Toastmasters or you could just pick up a call uh, with an old friend. And these sort, of, um, these sort of little moments keep your social muscles strong. And from there, you, um, you'll notice that the social anxiety is changing. You, you don't want to kill any type of feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember uh, right before speeches like we'd feel a lot of these nerves Absolutely. and it's like th- the nerves are actually meant to help us it's not meant to 
it's not meant to be eliminated. It's meant to be redirected. Mm -hmm. So don't try to kill social anxiety. I try to use it in a way where it's, it's serving as fuel. It's adding color to your words. It's making you a fun personality. Mm -hmm. So totally agree. Um, embrace your social anxiety, just like, I don't know if you ever did sports, but when I used to run track and cross country right before a race, I would have that anxiety, but I would use it to fuel me to do better in my races. So embrace social anxiety, number one. Um, also, use your friends and family members to build up your communication and confidence skills. But if you could break it down into three actionable steps, what would that look like? The actionable steps, well, depending on the person, uh, let's say this person lives in a city, mm -hmm. I would say one, join a Toastmasters okay. or some sort of club. Um, because as an adult, it's very hard to maintain social connections. So something like a meetup or Toastmasters, that'll get your that'll get you meeting some strangers and talking to them. Another thing is to um, have at least one weekly call with a friend or a family member. And the third one is to, if you can, like this third step is optional, uh, create a private YouTube channel. Like this is something a lot of people don't know about, but you don't need to make your YouTube videos uh, public. You can actually keep it private. And the reason that this is so helpful is because it gets you in the habit of articulating your ideas and seeing what you look like. Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons a lot of people struggle with uh, social anxiety is because of uh, the illusion of transparency, mm -hmm. which is where they think they look ugly when they're speaking, Shlomo. So it's like, uh, if you can see yourself and you're like, man, I'm actually a pretty good looking dude. <laughs> and you're over here creating the ideas and stuff. Uh, that This uh, private YouTube channel uh, becomes a vehicle for you to get to know yourself, uh, see that you don't look ugly, and it helps you express yourself, which further amplifies the first two points. Mm -hmm. You can now uh, give more powerful talks in Toastmasters, and you can um, communicate in a profound way with the people that you already know very well. So these three steps I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Join a Toastmasters or some sort of club, um, solidify the relationships you already have, and add in a little bit of content creation with a private YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Even if you can take a step above that, share with your close friends and family members, just that link. There's an option to do that too. And uh, Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've found that beneficial where I would make videos and send it to only people that will give me positive feedback, you know, constructive criticism. And that's a step further. Like you said, um, if you're starting from the baseline, maybe you don't want to do that because you're afraid of other people's opinions, but definitely start with the private one. That's very beneficial. It's like speaking in front of a mirror oh, yeah. a little bit. It's like speaking in front of a mirror, yeah. but you could watch it back. Yeah. And the thing is, down the line, yeah. you could always make it public. So to this day, like in the Armani Talks YouTube channel, I have tons of videos in the the database that I still haven't made public. But down the line, like I'll, I'll articulate an idea. I'm like, you know what? Let me just make it public. Yeah. So if this person plays with this idea, and let's say they do want to get into some form of content creation, they always have this treasure chest of ideas mm -hmm. in their draft box. Mm -hmm. I remember my first early day videos. I don't know if you remember that. Remember public speaking guy? I remember this. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I made that private again because I couldn't watch it. It was cringe. 
you remember you know what they say if you're not cringing at your old work then you're not creating enough yeah and you know you have to make those cringe-worthy videos and make those mistakes early on for and get laughed at sometimes for you to get better and that's the only only way you can get better and now it's much more conversational in a video camera versus trying to be someone you're you're not so you know do what armand says make those videos laugh at yourself a little bit and get get better over time um but you oh, have yeah. a lot of books on it right how many books do you have like 20 now i checked on amazon close to 20 yeah i have a good amount of books um the books um, um i have a great formula at this point for consistently publishing i, I always keep my pipeline full mm-hmm. and um uh, we, we could talk about that if you'd like, but yeah, I would say I, mean, I, I, have I would, I would love to know, get to know what your strategy is because, you know, writing one book is a big deal, but writing almost 20 or over 20 books, that's huge. How were you able to do that in less than two years? Well, the way that it works, Shlomo, is that um, with ideas, uh, it's really amazing because you're never a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You can always get your past experiences and apply it into your new career. Mm-hmm. So when I used to be um, a, a systems engineer, I would see how a lot of code would get uh, worked on. There was Agile, there was Waterfall and such. And I noticed that the way that you could develop a code, you could apply a lot of the same frameworks with book writing. Mm-hmm. So that was one idea I just kept in the database. I didn't necessarily know how to apply it. Another thing that began to happen was as I started to build Armani Talks, I just took it one video, one podcast, one blog at a time. And eventually what began to happen was I had this idea factory, I like to call it, where there were a lot of these ideas regarding a certain topic that I would have on my YouTube channel and my podcast and my philosophy, let's say in regards to um, speaking skills was very solidified. And once it was solidified, it was as though the book pretty much wrote itself. I got my key ideas from a lot of the YouTube videos, combined it into one, and then boom, I published that. Um, so I would say in order to publish books, you should always keep your pipeline full. And you always have to set uh, the correct mindset for yourself. Like in the beginning of this year, I was like, I want to publish one book per month. And once you have that clarity, it's very easy to uh, find the right workflow for you. So that's how much, that's how it pretty much works for me. Like all the ideas that I create within the Armani Talks, like media company, I solidify my philosophy there. And then I compile it into one book once I understand the field very well from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So make lots of content and a certain idea. Make make lots of content, understand where you stand on certain issues mm-hmm. and have, you know, treat content creation like an athlete, like an athlete shows up even if they're not feeling inspired, whatever. There's that level of discipline. And the more that you consistently do that, the more that it's a habit at this mm-hmm. point. So that's the way it works for me. And the, once you begin, Shlomo, uh, a lot of these random ideas just present itself. So for example, I run a daily newsletter and, you know, I've been writing on it every single day since 2019. So nowadays I have uh, thousands of these newsletters, which are short stories. So whenever someone new enters the Armani Talks newsletter, they're like, 
hey man, how can I get a collection of your past newsletters? So boom, that's an idea. That's like, wait a minute. How about I compile a collection of my past newsletters into a book? And that's how, I don't know if you can see it right here. That's how these entire series got started. So begin, and then a lot of these ideas will present itself. And, you know, I've, I've actually read um, several of your books and I skimmed through it just to get like the key ideas and I've applied it to my own life too. So good job with that. How can someone advertise their content? How can someone... Like, how were you able to get 40,000 Twitter followers and 7,000 YouTube subscribers? Um, like, because, you know, a lot of times people make content, make content, make content. They don't go anywhere. They might have a book. No one buys it. How are you able to capture that big of a following? Well, I, I would say you need to first start off somewhere. And then from there, once you have a body of work, it becomes easier to network with others. So it's difficult to network with someone when they don't see anything from you. So I would recommend start creating some form of content within whatever vehicle of choice. And then every now and then, you know, have a, something like what you're doing right now. You're over here interviewing and that's boom, a connection. And rather than focusing so much on like the followers and all of that, I focus on sharpening your skill set, build the correct relationships and over time, I mean, the followers will come. Uh, this is one of those tricky situations where certain times, like, the followers don't come. That's not always within your control. Uh, so my advice is focus more on the skill set um, and form uh, the correct partnerships. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Your sort of content, yeah, your sort of content is very unique because it's it's like a dual approach. Mm-hmm. It's like you get the content and now you're building a friend <laughs> along the process. I remember with my old podcast, it was a l- very difficult to get interviews in the very beginning, but later on, interviews became, um, people started saying yes more because they saw, oh, wow, you have 50 interviews. You're more credible than before. When I, I want to be a part of the 50. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have less than 10, then it's like, wow, you, you don't really have that many. Hey, it's, it's not a no, but it's, it's a maybe later down the road. They want to see how committed you are. But I, I do agree with the part where building the skill set comes first because Gary Vee says that a lot where don't just make the content just to make the content. Have something to share. Have something valuable to share, whether it's a skill set, whether it's a story, whether it's a message. Hone in on that message. Hone in that skill set where people would want to listen to you and it just becomes organic versus forced. Yeah, especially nowadays, man, where it feels as though some individuals are undermining themselves and they're studying the markets a little too much. And that works great for products. Let's say you're selling uh, tumblers or like beanies or some sort of physical product. Doing a lot of market research is great. But when you're creating content, you are the product. So if you're over here looking at everyone else like, oh, how can I be like this person? Then you're not necessarily zoning in on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's much better to zone in on yourself, see what you're good at, what you're unusually gifted at, and then from there, you could create content around that. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to feel like work. When you're creating content for an audience too much, it's always going to feel like work. Mm-hmm. But if you can create content for your younger self or something like that, like your, it's your future self guiding your past self, 
then content becomes very fun. It flows out of you. How can someone network on social media? I mean, you see a lot of times your your inbox is flooded with different spam messages and people trying to pitch you something. And a lot of times, you know, that doesn't work unless it's something that you can possibly relate to. But how can someone communicate effectively to network with someone else on social media? Well, the first thing I would say is engage with their content in mm -hmm. some way. Because you're right. If someone is, uh, let's say they have 10,000 plus followers, mm -hmm. their DMs are consistently going to be flooded. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to be like going through every single DM and be like, oh, well, let me answer every single one because they have a schedule. Mm -hmm. So if you can engage with their content on the front end, you are consistently, quote, retweeting their tweets, commenting on their tweets. Then once you DM them, you'll be a familiar face. Mm -hmm. And from there, their chances of responding back to you increases. Mm -hmm. So I recommend try to engage with them on the front end before going into the back end. Because you have your own little Twitter tribe too. H how were you able to build that? Um, how can you have your own tribe of people? Well, I would recommend the volume. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would recommend the volume, man. I mean, that's the least sexy response. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like the more that you consistently produce, the more that you are uh, increasing your likelihood of getting your message out there. Mm -hmm. Now, different people have different strategies where for some people, like they don't like my strategy too much. They want to instead find the correct players, network with them and leverage their audience. That's something that Russell Brunson talks about in his Traffic Secrets book. So there's different strategies. My strategy is always going to be the volume strategy. I believe that uh, quantity is a form of quality on its own. But for other people who aren't really in that quantity-like mindset, uh, find the key players within whatever field that you discuss, whether it's self-improvement, um, relationships, fitness, etc., and then build from there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what are your goals with Armani Talks in the next three to five years? Well, my goal is to consistently turn this into a media company that uses educational and entertaining short stories to help engineers and entrepreneurs improve their communication skills. So that, that's about it, uh, to leverage the short form content more and to uh, continue to discuss the course off skills, which range from creativity, uh, social skills, public speaking, emotional intelligence, storytelling, and um and such. Okay. Would you eventually want your own team behind it or you haven't thought about that yet? Well, I, I sort of have a team now, but down the line, I, I could see more people coming in. Okay. I like to run a very lean, efficient business. Mm -hmm. So right now uh, within my team, I have a guy that uh, fixes anything website related. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what it's like. Uh, uh, the website can always crash or something like that. So I have a web developer. Um, I also have a guy that creates my book covers and formats my content for me. Mm -hmm. And I have a narrator okay. at, at the point who uh, turns my books uh, in, into audiobooks that they can narrate to the correct technology. So I have three people right now. Okay. And hopefully that team will grow larger and larger as you grow. And I'm looking forward to seeing your growth in the next three to five years together. I appreciate you.
I don't want it to grow too much though, because <laughs> I, uh, something um, something about the lean operation yeah. allows for more creativity. Mm-hmm. When you have too much people in your team, what happens is that you go from a creative business into a politics mm-hmm. business. Uh, whenever you add one new person, the chances of uh, chaos increases a lot. It's true. So you have to be very smart about who you're hiring as well. Mm-hmm. And you also have to keep your goals in mind because having a leaner operation allows them to fit within their goals versus if you have many more employees, you, you can grow, but then your stress level will it'll be just a different stress level, which may, may or may not fit into what you want out of life. Absolutely. There's this one jeans company, Shlomo, that um, sells very, very, very expensive jeans, like $500 worth jeans, but there's only five people within the entire company. So they have to sell a certain amount of jeans throughout the year. But since they're so lean, uh, they know their numbers. There's no like internal conflicts or anything like that. That lean operation allows them to run smoothly. So I, I do believe that this is going to be more popular in the future. Rather than a bulky organization, we're going lean, mean, and efficient. Yeah. So know your goals, know the numbers you need to hit in order to pay yourself and pay your employees and stay lean. So Arman, um, my last one to two minutes of every podcast, I do like a rapid fire questions where I ask you a question, um, answer in one to two sentences. It's a great way for our audiences to get to know you personally. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What is your biggest fear? Biggest fear? Motorcycles. Motorcycles. <laughs> what is your hidden talent? I can solve a Rubik's Cube. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Favorite entrepreneurship movie? Favorite entrepreneurship movie? I don't even know any entrepreneurship movies. Uh, well, let me think real quick. That's a good question. I mean, is Wolf on Wall Street an entrepreneurship movie? Absolutely. Favorite? I mean, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't talk about that guy's ethics, but I, I, I like the movie overall. <laughs> and to go back off of that, I actually worked with someone who worked for him back in the day in the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, really? Yeah. Favorite influencer. <laughs> Favorite influencer, man. Um, I like I, I like um, Alex Hormozzi, but I don't know if I have a favorite influencer. <laughs> okay. Let me... Last question I ask every single one of my people I interview. What is your dream? My dream is to do work that benefits others uh, and doesn't just benefit them in a emotional sort of way, but actually causes change in behaviors. Mm-hmm. Because if they can change their behaviors in some way, then I find it meaningful. I love it. I love it. And Armand, where can people find you? People can find me on ArmaniTalks.com. That has all my YouTube videos, blogs, podcasts compiled in one area. And if you'd ever like to work for me, you can apply for a free consulting session on ArmaniTalks.com. I love it. Armand, thank you so much, my friend, for being on Dreamers University. It's my third interview with you. Hoping to grow with you even more, and I appreciate you, brother. Absolutely, man. Good luck with your Dreamers University, and I'm looking forward to your success. Thanks. Hi, Dream Makers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Dreamers University. On this episode, I interviewed my good friend, Armand Chowdhury, which was my third interview with him in the past four years. 
Armand's been a good friend for the past 12 or 13 years. We've seen each other grow. And as far as I've known him, as long as I've known him, he's always been an extrovert, but he wasn't always like this. From my Teenage Impact podcast interview, he was a very shy kid. He wasn't confident. He was insecure. And eventually, he improved his confidence and communication skills. He believes that communication is super important, even if you're not an entrepreneur, even if you're not a CEO or an influencer or a speaker. Because whether you're in any job, and you want to move up the ladder, you have to be able to communicate your thoughts and ideas. Now, if you are not good at communicating, if you're insecure, if you're not confident, if you do have social anxiety, he did give three steps to improve your communication skills. Number one, find a Toastmasters. Toastmasters is an international organization. You can just look it up. You can look it up by your zip code and just start going to one. You're going to find that when you go to Toastmasters regularly, you're going to do speeches, you're going to do improv talks, and eventually you will get better over time. Second step, call a loved one on a weekly basis. Practice your communication skills. Practice your listening skills. Practice your storytelling ability. And the third step is, this is optional, is Take a video of yourself talking or giving a speech. Upload that video on YouTube and make slow and steady changes. Armand also believes that social anxiety is not a bad thing. Just like when you, ha- if you played a sport and right before an important game, you would get butterflies in your stomach. Right before entering a social st- setting, you're going to get butterfly in your stomach. Use that towards your advantage. Now, Armand grew his brand to over 50,000 followers. He has many books. He has almost 20 books out there. And he makes content on a regular basis. He believes if you want to build your brand, focus on one idea, focus on one blog post, one video, one tweet, and just hone in on the video and make be disciplined on a daily basis make content while you're making content network with other influencers and eventually your brand will grow organically thank you so much for listening to another episode of dreamers university if you haven't done so subscribe to my podcast if you're on youtube um, like comment if you are listening from apple podcast great review i'm trying to impact as many people to go after their dreams and live their dream life so until next time peace